Hi, Grifters. You are listening to the Leverage 10 podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of your favorite TV show. I'm your host, Kayla Dobson, and today I'm lucky enough to be joined by executive producer and co-creator of Leverage, John Rogers, uh, story editor and co-writer of this episode, Becky Kirsch. Hello. And the lovely and talented Best Facecraft, who plays Parker. Hi. Uh, so today we'll be answering your Twitter and Facebook fan questions on episode, uh, we're calling it 510 or 508? Well, it's 508. We always do broadcast order when we do the podcast and we do the questions on the blog. Okay. Because, you know, stuff just moves around. It makes it sense. It just gets confusing. So episode 508, The Broken Wing Job. And if you're all ready, I will, we'll jump right into a question that everyone on Twitter has been asking. Absolutely. Let's dive in. Let us answer. Let us <laughs> fill that void in their hearts and their minds. So this episode felt very similar to Rear Window. Was that intentional? Could not have been more intentional. <laughs> <laughs> I will say 150%. Uh, uh, I, I will say, here, here's the trick we were facing. We knew we were going to do a big, giant blowout for the summer season finale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we were trying to come up with a bottle show, which we haven't done in a considerable length of time. We've done a couple of limited budget shows, but, but not a bottle show. Bottle show being in the set, it's like, well, we don't have enough story for five characters in one set. And uh, and then I think it was Scott who was the, it was it was one of you had the rear window bit and one that of you Scott. had the that was yeah Scott was like I want to do rear window yep. and you were like okay then she needs the sidekick and then it kind of was two good tastes that tasted great together mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> and so that was the idea and and when we did said rear window because we had the videos who would be the most frustrated and most frustrated and toughest character to have to be put out of commission that was Plainly Parker mm-hmm. and that allowed us to do the story. Do you have any feedback on that, Deanna? Um, I, I agree. It was very <laughs> Rear Window-esque. <laughs> what did you think when you got the script? Because you got, I know... Well, that... you know what I, I was like. <laughs> I was like, what? This is never going to work. How does Parker work without her team? This is crazy. Not only that, like, I don't know any of the people I'm acting with, so how do we know there's going to be chemistry? Like, I had a whole thing, and then... He was but like in technical <laughs> actor terms, it's called a meltdown. Yeah. Like <laughs> so I basically had a meltdown, and not to mention we were filming two other episodes yeah. at the same time we were filming Rear Windows. So I had the majority of the work in Rear Window, and then I was like bouncing off to other sets in between. It was crazy. It, it was it was pretty crazy. Madness. In order to, that's the bottle show because Beth was alone. It allowed us to shoot the other actors out in different sets, so uh, different shows. So the back two days or back three days of First, first three and back two, I yeah. think. Of, first three uh, and five. The Nick and Nora episode yes. and of your next episode, which was Low Low Price, yes. uh, overlapped the on either side. Uh, overlapped uh, this episode. We madness. shot three simultaneously, which was uh, equally Crazy. as grueling for me because I had to go up and schedule it and figure out. <laughs> I had to look at the 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 when you break episodes, you you make something called a one liner, which is the order of the scenes and how they're shot and what day they're shot and what actors are in it. And I had to fly up to Portland because we couldn't do it over the phone. It was too complicated with the line producer Paul Bernard and take those three scripts and break them down and and just stare at a wall for two days as we moved around this scene can go here this scene can go here right. this person over here it was we can it take so inside of this I, scene we'd rather not do that we'd yeah, rather not sure. do that again i'm not gonna lie to you well yeah and i think the the crazy thing was too i think we move at such a fast pace and we're able to do that because our crew knows each other so well and yeah. we're like a well-oiled machine well we don't have enough of those people to break up into three different sets yeah. either so a, a lot of the people that were on set were just kind of filling in for mm-hmm. the episode and there was a lot of unknown variables, I think, that I was kind of. It was. It was pretty funny of, because you it, you called me and I was like, if there's, it, look, I, I had total faith you could carry that. I mean, I was absolutely <laughs> like, what if there's one actor I have absolute total faith in? Not that the other actors couldn't, but I was like, you're nuts to think you can't carry an entire episode. 
and and you proved uh, you proved me right. It was, a fa- it was a great episode. Well, thanks. I think and you guys supported me with great actors and all of that work. John Harrison was great to work with, and I think yeah. I mean, and, and and John Harrison's directing, particularly besides making sure it didn't get static and mm-hmm. kept you up on your feet and moving. The transitions between front and back and the camera transitions worked very well, and it kind of made sure you understood the, the, the sequence of events and the flow very well. Yeah, totally. Well, we didn't shoot it in sequence either, so, right. I mean, the majority of the episode was me staring at X's on a wall and reacting to Bless footage I hadn't... Yeah, yeah um, <laughs> like surveillance footage I hadn't seen yet because it hadn't right. been shot. And, you know, he tried to do some of it beforehand, mm-hmm. so I did have a, a vague idea of it, but it was it was just a challenge, you know, but it, it was a lot of fun. I'm glad we did it because I, I think it turned out great. And also John Harrison, who had previously worked on a rear window adaptation of his own that unfortunately never got made, was, of course, a huge Hitchcock fan and a huge fan of the, yeah. the kind of idea of it. So I think he came to it with already a, a great zest for the world and, and yeah. some ideas of how to make a modern interpretation of that. So I think that was a really lucky um, uh, synchronicity of, of getting him for that episode. Well, before we move on to our next questions, we mentioned uh, Scott a couple times. We just want to give a shout out to Scott Veach, the Woo! other yes, I'm Scott Veach, the other is, co-writer uh, of this episode. He is off on another show right now as we're on hiatus and slaving away, and they will not, unfortunately, release you from your staff job <laughs> to go do commentary on your old show. That's just something they don't do. So he could not be here with us today. I would do it. I would let people go. You so would. Just, you're a very you're, nice, you're yeah. generous. Go forth. Go to your other show. Well, moving on, Alice asks. Will we ever find out what happened in Japan in a short story or a production blog or maybe even on this podcast? No, I, I always, I will tell you, <laughs> I, I will say that Japan was the coolest job you'll never see. Exactly. That's yeah. we, and that's the point of it. That's, it's the, the, that's whole the romance point of it. behind it. Yeah. We don't exactly want to know how all those things fit yeah. in with each other we, because that would ruin the mystery. We had the show from first year. Remember we tried to break the Slamming the Doors show. episode? The Shipwreck yes. Show. Oh, and I we wound up using, that. we wound up using elements of it in Cross My Heart. Yes. Where that's the job they're coming back from yes. is the shipwreck job. But we had wanted to do a bit where there's just a job that's infamous amongst the crew that you just never see. Uh, and so the, we eventually got it in this one where we actually got the audience in on the joke. And the audience, the, you'll never know what happened in Japan. Just you can put together a fair <laughs> chunk of it. You'll never know what they were burning. In the script that says it, I think. No, I, I think that the there, was, there was specifically in the okay in the first draft it said. Uh, they light something on fire. On fire, whether it's X, Y, or Z, we'll never know. Oh, so we kind right, of yeah. surmise what it could be, but it's. I mean, I know when I watched it the other night, I was like, wait, that's kind of dark. Is it a person <laughs> that they just killed? Yeah, if you, if that's you, where my mind went. You, I was you, like, oh my god. If you pan right. over, if you pan over, it's actually the scene from Dark Knight where the dude's on top of the giant pile of money and he's like, <laughs> and then Sophie and Nate burn a dude alive on a pile of money and then snuggle in kimonos. And they make Let's out. Say, really? That's where you're. Let's yeah, say it wasn't a corpse. Let's just What's say. What's wrong with you? Well, I mean, I Nate isn't exactly the most like sane individual. <laughs> but they were just well, he they were very people. alive. <laughs> Over money for is fun. That, is that really? That's yes. the subtext you're playing. I play Parker. I don't know what to tell you. You created her. Well, that actually answers one of our later questions, where Kathy Jones is asking what they set on fire, but apparently now we know it According was According to Beth Rescraft, it's a person <laughs> duct taped to a chair soaked in gasoline. Deny, but the, there you go. Wow, okay. He may or may not been, have been wrapped in like some sort of fabric, like cheesecloth. <laughs> That's oddly specific. It's not yeah. like it's not That's, like netting, like as yeah. if you had dragged them from the river. But no, she's cool. Yeah, which I don't like, think Dexter ever used for his victims. Yeah. I don't well, know. There you go. There, you you're writing, welcome, Dexter. <laughs> you need to be writing this as fan fiction. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, think, I think there's a I think see there's now a fan that, base this, for that this gives me like a whole different spin on your past. Like now I just had. <laughs> what? 
in my, in my head. Past, I just like, because you just that? no, you just pulled that out so easily. Now in my head, from back when you lived in Vegas, I just have in the back of my head you sitting in a car just rocking back and forth like, okay, okay, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Just just forget it ever happened. We're far like, enough out, no one will ever find <laughs> it. <laughs> just okay, it's the desert, man. That's what yeah. the desert Fire does. Fire purifies all. <laughs> there were punk rock music shows in the desert where people were throwing things and like stuff on fire. So yeah. I guess maybe it's not that it's, far off. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Maybe a cheesecloth wrapped. Witness. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, on to a less violent question. Maybe. Uh, maybe. I'm not quite sure at this point. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Marsha asks It was so nice to see Parker hold her own and get a glimpse of how she thinks. I especially enjoyed the way we got to see how she profiled the getaway van. Was seeing her thoughts as text on the screen a shout out to Sherlock and when we get to see it again this season? Uh, you don't see it again this season because that was a one-off and Parker's, you're locked in Parker's POV for pretty much that entire episode. Um, no, we, we, we played around with the idea of, uh, you'll see in 512 we play around with how Hardison sees the world. Mm -hmm. This is just we wanted to play around a little with how Parker sees the world. It was just an experiment. So how do the other characters see the world? Well, Hardison, you'll see in five twelve, like what he sees when he's doing what he does. Um, Stay tuned. Uh, I always, I always think Elliot is just looking at an anatomical chart. I think when <laughs> Elliot meets you, it's like uh, just a bunch of nerve clusters and weak joints, and then he, then he kind of slowly drifts up to the face. Um, it's Batman. Let's just go Batman on that. Uh, not Terminator, though. Yes. Not with the grid. Yeah. Uh, Sophie just sees people who aren't her. Um, <laughs> vast empty wasteland of gray figures who aren't her and then uh, and Nate uh, Nate just sees like a little readout of needs and wants and weaknesses oh. it's, yeah. and then I think we had talked at one point uh, if about the, the episode where everyone sees things yeah, yeah we uh, would, original version of Rashomon was you got you were locked far harder in everyone's POV and when you went to Parker's POV we were going to do it in black and white with just the valuable items in color. But the, I remember. But yes, yeah. but the process was that because shooting that was such a monster, we that just was... couldn't choreograph the camera to do the process because that is mm -hmm. that is an incredibly expensive thing to do. Yeah, it's a lot of the effects and stuff too. Yeah. But I, I guess I always have thought of her, the way that she sees things is a bit like a grid. You know, she yeah. scans it yeah. and the important parts are highlighted. So I like that we got to touch on that. I think in my imagination, which we all know is really creative, <laughs> based on that last question um, <laughs> that I pictured it like sort of a grid with lots of like scientific looking things happening on it so yeah. I <laughs> do you like that description <laughs> yeah so scientific that, looking things yeah or? scientific you know green that that like that green that they like use like a little terminator vision yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. alright there you go <laughs> Well, and kind of talking about some of the other characters now, uh, Abby asks, I was surprised by Sophie's acceptance of Nate leaving Parker to handle this problem on her own. Does this mean that Sophie is now in cahoots with Nate? And what about the other characters? Uh, I think everyone I think everyone just assumes, look, they're, they're, it's competence porn. Everyone's the best at what they do in the, in the world. So it was one of those things where, although Beth played the character very vulnerable, it's still Parker. She's still terrifying. And what you're... What, that was not so much, oh, God, I'm in danger, help me. But when your friend is more like, I can't quite get a handle on this. And you go, ah, try this. You know, they, they were not worried about Parker. Mm -hmm. You know, and it, it's always a fine line because you need real drama and threat in an episode. At the same time, uh, I've always said Parker's the second most dangerous person on the team. 
Okay. You know, because that's why I wrote, two years ago, I wrote that scene with Elliot and Parker in the cave, you know, mm -hmm. because in my head, those two characters are kind of locked in a certain type of, of personality. So, you know, I, I think that's why we landed on that. And then you got, you can talk about how we landed on this, but because you wrote it with Scott, but it was never meant to be, oh my God, it, it, it's more like, it, it's more like I don't quite know how to handle this and they're encouraging her to give it a shot. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that this episode is so much about... Um, Parker's growth throughout the years and showing that she has become this incredible well-rounded thief which when we started with the first episode this some of the skills that she employs in Broken Wing may not have been in her toolbox at that point and through the involvement with the other characters through her growth she has been able to really become a you know a mastermind in essence and so because in my interpretation of Nate and Sophie um, giving her free reign with this and, and letting her go off and really you know fly out of the nest is that they like the audience trust that she is going to do the right thing trust that she can do this on her own not that they're throwing her to the wolves that if anyone can handle whatever situation this is it's Parker and I think that that's a lot of this episode is confirm is um, not reminding the audience but is saying hey you know how Parker's amazing yeah we're going to show you just how great she is but I that think. growth thing was important because it's if they told her what to do then they're just telling what to do. If they tell her, you already know how to handle this, then it's a nice episode to showcase Parker in season five is not Parker in season one. Yeah, and I was going to say a similar thing. Like, it, had we done this episode season one or two, she may have just walked in there with a gun and forced them out of the bar and taken care of them. Who knows yeah. what she would have done. But because the stakes were high, but they weren't, like, insanely high. Yeah. So it was enough to know, like, okay, in the situation two or three seasons ago, maybe she would have handled it mm -hmm. in a different way. But now she's actually putting more thought and care into it in the way that a mastermind yeah. type whatever would. And yeah. so I think that's why Nate is like, okay with it. He's letting her figure it out. And it's like see, a baby step. There's, there's yeah. a nice speech later in the season, much later in the season where you kind of see why Nate did it. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of our show is about showing how these five people really do um, light up when they're with each other. Think, certain things come out in their skill sets that you wouldn't have known unless you were working and you learn from others' skill sets, but at the same time, I think it was really refreshing to have an episode in which we show, as an example of all the team members, just how one of our characters has grown individually based on their experiences with the others. So we're, we're always about the family dynamic, but I think this was, hey, by the way, these people are also growing individually, mm -hmm. you know, very much so. Well, kind of moving on from that, we have some questions about, you know, somebody who's not on the crew, Amy. Amy. <laughs> Tornado Puppy asks, please tell me, Amy. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tornado. Tornado Puppy was last week, too. It's a great, I love it's a great it. screen now. Excellent. In my head, it's just Dopplers, too. There's like a... <laughs> and, then it's, and then and it's, it's like the, the wind sound, like... And then there's... Yeah. <laughs> there's the beagle. <laughs> <laughs> it just rotates through. It just because there's nothing funnier than the Doppler effect. It technically, actually, that would be. <laughs> it would build and then fade. It's a very evocative oh Twitter Sorry, handle. I'm fine, but the cheese clock was. <laughs> <laughs> we still have many more questions. Yeah, I have go. an adorable story of a cartoon puppy sure. with a Doppler effect. No, no, it's fine. Whatever makes you feel good, John. Whatever makes you feel better. Being burned to death. No. Yeah. My puppy's fine. He's barking. Your dude's saying the Lord's Prayer in like Ukrainian, like desperately hoping he's not going to die in this warehouse. But he Okay. Sorry. What's the question? So Tornado Puppy asks, please tell me Amy will pop up at least once more before the end of the season. She's awesome. Or will we see any of the other pub staff helping the crew out in other ways? Uh, no, no, she, Amy doesn't come back. The back half's pretty crowded. Okay. I'm not going to lie. The back half is pretty jammed. It's a those. big season. Um, uh, certainly, if if we get season six, much like Hurley came back, I'd bring Aww. Amy back in a heartbeat. You know, I love Amy. 
Uh, also, we have to see that Hurley and Peggy are doing okay. So I have to check. would have to check in with them. White picket fans. Um, white picket fans. Exactly. Doppler dog. Exactly. <laughs> Doppler dog. That's, that's, I wish we had the room open because that would be a room bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Already did a fantastic job. Well, why don't you talk? Because that was the first time you had to carry a show with someone that, like you said, is not one of our regular cast members in five years. What was it like when you started working with us? Yeah, already did an amazing job. David Palladino, who played the main thug, uh, V, I believe. Mm -hmm. And then um, Taylor, uh, um, Taylor's last name, I just spaced it. It's escaping it. me. Um, yeah. We'll get it. Um, but he, they were all great, you know? And so I knew that I had great actors and RT... You know, I think our show is challenging in that when you come in, you're flying to another city, and then you get there, and everything is moving so fast that if you're not used to hitting a whole bunch of marks on the ground and then also looking up at a screen with a big, giant, like, orange X and having... There's so many cues that you have to take yourself um, that it's a, it's just a... Like, the technical side of it can be intimidating, and so I, I was happy that we had time to, like, go rehearse it we rehearsed it ahead of time. We went out to dinner and got to know each other. And I think that that was a big part of us um, establishing our chemistry and feeling at ease with one another. Because I guess I, I understand what that feels like going into a show that you're new on. And she's so talented. Like, as soon as she felt at ease, she just nailed it. And it was yeah. great. Yeah. She was fantastic. Well, Maybe we should show up in one of the novels. Oh, what? Maybe we should show up in one of the novels. Yeah. I was actually delighted that the second novel, which is The Zoo Job, The Way In is he uses the little girl from uh, Beantown Bailout. Oh, like she's oh, the nice. way that the next victim finds the leverage crew. Oh, is that, and it was just a really that. nice way of sort of like saying, okay, this is connected to the history of the show. Yeah, awesome. that's cool. Well, following up, our next Amy question comes from Philip, who asks, Amy's dad is a billionaire, involved in international business, and Hardison hired her, I'm assuming not by accident. Will Amy's dad end up as a client or a mark? No, no. Hardison hired her because of her moral fiber. Probably because he was impressed the fact she had so much moral fiber. <laughs> well, and something I've been wondering, exactly how many teddy bears were used in this episode? Was it just the one, or...? Unfortunately, Beach was on set for that one, so I can't answer it, but I know that we did have multiples. Do you remember? I feel like there was a very small amount of teddy bears. Mm -hmm. Only be The only memory I have... Well, Beth kept setting them on fire. <laughs> Scream for I me! Guess. She would yell. Yeah. And then I was like, or else you're mine, teddy yeah. bear. I knew that was a fetish. Yeah. I think... So there, I just remember Greg, our props master, be coming in and being like, now Beth, there's only one crutch. <laughs> so if you break it, we're screwed, basically, you know? So I no was pressure. like, seriously, no there's one crutch and one bear? No, but I think... It, it, well, the crutches were specially made. Yeah, the crutch yet. was like, uh, you know, and, and then they had a couple bears, and then they kept changing the eyes out. And I don't know if people notice that, but the bear's expression does slightly change. Slightly. We, we actually <laughs> didn't use most of those takes. Yeah. We actually only used, like, the one... There's one that sort of slipped in there. Yeah, but yeah. The, I think it was, for the most part, like, maybe two bears, and then they would change the... the like, Mr. Potato Head. Yeah. <laughs> I want one of those. Uh, so moving on, we have some, uh, some more Parker questions. Okita asks, of course Parker would like Beauty and the Geek. Did Hardison introduce her to it? Um, I think it's just, uh, it's weirdly, it's not because it's about geeks. It's mm -hmm. they have the best voting system. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and so for our last official question, we have Dondra who asks, will we be seeing similar episodes focusing on each of the remaining individual members of the crew? And if they're not already written, what would they be about? 
Well, the season, uh, summer season finale is uh, the next split week. like we did next week. We did um, the boys' night and girls' night out last year. It is very much focusing on Parker, Elliot, and Hardison in the second, the first half. And then it's it's just a straight up Nate and Sophie mystery solving Nick and Nora for the second half. So yeah, it's that those are boiled down a little bit more than the, they were previously. Um, but no, it's look the trick is just scheduling. I mean, just overlapping these shows and figuring out the shooting order. Um, I think this this was a nice one off, but I also really think that audience loves to see the team. Yes. I mean, the audience shows up for all five. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's it is one of those things where much as we'd like to experiment. The audience would like us to give them their leverage every week, please. And that's always a fine line you walk if you get into season five. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I would say, like, I think people always want more backstory from what I, I get asked anyway. It seems like they do. So I like that we get to give it to them. But at the same time, me being a fan of the show, when I watch it, I like the Japan bits for me were so fun because I was like, ah, oh, that looks like so much fun. I want to be there, you know, yeah. and then coming back. But and you realize, of course, they were next door to you, right? Yeah. They weren't actually like, having fun. They, they weren't. Were, like, I didn't see them. Like, it felt weird. All of a sudden, I saw them all and they were like, it's been so long. And it had been like three days since we'd seen each other. <laughs> Why are you in a kimono? Felt like they were so far away. Yeah. I didn't like it. <laughs> But yeah, look, it's it's you want to do off speeds. I mean, it's weird. It's 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 a special it's, episode, and and it's always funny because this week, an all new special <laughs> episode of what? <laughs> <laughs> Parker, stop setting people on fire. Um, the uh, I saw a spinoff. For, for a certain percentage of people, people are like, I want all five. And for some people, it's that's my favorite episode ever. Sure. So it is always this kind of, if you want a show to have longevity, you've got to change it up like two or three times a year. Yeah. You know, the historical one is a nice change up. This the yeah. solo format break is a nice change up. This is kind of like Office Job was last year. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Well, we're almost out of time on this podcast, but I do need to throw out this last bonus question to you guys. Oh, bonus question. Uh, Michelle asks... So is this your way of making Parker the doctor with her companion as Amy? And someone please write that fanfic. Yes, absolutely. That's I could not say that more. That's absolutely. Parker is uh, Parker is nigh omniscient uh, and incredibly perceptive, and she swoops up a a working class young woman and brings her into a dangerous circumstance, which allows her to flower. It could not be more Doctor Whoish at all. Even the name works. Parker. Parker who? Exactly. It's, it's all, <laughs> that's what I was saying. Yeah, exactly. Parker is secretly a time travel. Is a, it, that's You've just blown the season finale. The TARDIS shows Sorry. up in the season. And Parker like takes everyone and they jump through time. And all your fanfic rewards are... <laughs> and they meet the Firefly crew. And then Amy and starts then they, saying what I'm saying before I'm even saying it. It's crazy. <laughs> and then they go to Battlestar Galactica. What do you people want? Just want watch that. this show and, and like... No then there's no musical. There'll never be a musical. Do you want a musical? Uh, let me ask. No. <laughs> you know how I'm I feel sure about musicals. I don't even wife. want to talk about musicals right now. You and my now. wife. You and my wife both don't like musicals. No. no, I like musicals. But we'll have Battlestar Galactica and Fire yeah, Yes. Yes. Doctor Season Google. six okay. will just be Parker in her time machine taking everyone around to all the other cool franchises you people love. I'll have an outline for you by Friday, sir. Uh, no, do not Nobody encourage them. Nobody wants to see, hear me sing anyway, so. <laughs> That's not true. That's can, not true I, Okay. All right. You should Challenge release there you go. That's pretty great. That's me doing like a, a weird cartoon voice, not no, actually really, singing. That's not you singing, really? <laughs> no, I grew up on like The Little Mermaid. I'm, I'm into that type of musical, but not like. Wait, you're into The wait, Little wait, Mermaid? Wait, wait, wait. I'm musical? sorry. I, I spent yesterday watching <laughs> singing Sweeney Todd at the top of my lungs. Who's to say we can't have a Sondheim version of the oh, We, I think we. I'm not even going to get into this with you people right now. All right. <laughs> 
We're gonna heist. We're gonna steal. We're gonna heist. We're gonna steal. No, we're not gonna do that. There was. We there was. We'll get Borland back for this one. We'll no, get we'll get this back up. for this. Well, one. there was the. We tweeted something. I think se- season two or three, where the cast, we were like, this dialogue, we're having a hard time with it, and so we turned it into like this Broadway scene and we actually tweeted us all singing it so yes. if you want the musical version of Leverage yes, hunt, go it down on hunt down the archives yes also the Richard Marks commercial oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> my point exactly ah, I think you have lovely dulcet tones Beth <laughs> I couldn't have sounded more tone deaf even if I tried <laughs> like the, the thing is about that commercial, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. I did all these over-the-top takes and whatever, and then there's one where I'm so tone-deaf, and that's the one they used, and I'm just like, sweet. It actually looks like I'm trying to sing good, but it was bad. I wish they would have just used the, like, really bad, obvious choice. What was, like, the bad, obvious choice, Re? Like, what was the... It was like I was repelling, because they had all these shots that they didn't use, and it was just like, Argh! like, gr- you know, like... Yeah. What was that? What was that sound? That was the sound of me repelling and getting caught up on something while singing. It's funny. It's comedy. It's It's better than... It's the kids. They love it. Tone deaf, Beth. So leverage the musical. No. No time traveling. No musical. Just eat your con and heist show and like it. Well, grifters, on that thought-provoking note, it's time to wrap up this edition of the Leverage 10 podcast. Uh, thank you for all of our guests for being here. And be sure, fans, to listen in next week as we take on your questions about the Leverage summer season finale episodes. I, I'm looking forward to next week when, <laughs> when they see that episode and they see somebody's hairstyle for the first It'll time. It'll be interesting. <laughs> oh, snap. Yeah. So be sure to send us all your questions either on the Leverage Facebook page or on Twitter with hashtag Leverage10podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Thanks for watching. Don't forget, Grifters, you can download the new Season 5 episodes from iTunes after they air, as well as all your old favorites. And be sure to check out the new Leverage Series Companion ebook, available for download on the iTunes Store.